Hey everybody, how the hell are you doing? It's Nick from Nick the American. We've got a really shitty show for you today. Wait, check that. It's actually a, a fine show. It's actually a fine show. So with that said, let's let's jump to it. What am I going to talk about today? I'm going to start by talking about Republican congressmen from the great state of Ohio, the Buckeye state. Jim Jordan. Now, a liberal Democrat like me is supposed to hate Jim Jordan. Hate him with a passion. And maybe hate is a strong word. What I'm going to do today, I want to talk about Jim Jordan, the American stud, (gasps) the ass kicker, a little bit. Okay? Now, He's from the state of Ohio, and there is no bigger supporter of the former president, Donald Trump, than Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan came into Congress, I believe, in the early 2000s. He chaired the Freedom Caucus. I think it's like the Tea Party. We're talking about a slew of really, really right-wing Republicans that came into power and weren't necessarily pro legislation they were they, they were trying to make the conservative excuse me the republican party more conservative jim jordan for those of you that don't know is a two-time national champion wrestler at the at, at uh, university of wisconsin okay get this you guys he posted 150 and 1 collegiate record he just missed out on the olympics just uh, just barely shows you how good you have to be to be a damn olympian okay he was 150 and one he won back-to-back national titles and i bring that up because i don't think a lot of people know that about jim jordan i don't think a lot of people even know who jim jordan is unless you're really into politics and i've got a older son who wrestles and going to all the different wrestling tournaments and the meets and watching how hard they work and watching how hard they prepare mentally, physically, the whole nine yards. It's impressive. And I know my son's record as a wrestler in high school. King Co champ, by the way, stand up Carter. I know how difficult it is. And so when I see, someone like Jim Jordan who posted 150 and one record. I want to stand up and applaud him. I'd like to get, uh, you know, him in a room and, and have him give my son Carter some wrestling advice, some tips on what to do. Could learn so much from this guy. Okay. I mentioned, I keep mentioning his 150 and one record. Jim Jordan's actually 152 and one. Jim's probably saying, Nick, what are you talking about? I'm 150 and one. Don't exaggerate my record. Well, John Boehner was Speaker of the House. And he quit. Jim Jordan defeated him. How did he defeat him? He smacked down John Boehner. Whether you agree or disagree, he defeated him. Boehner was no longer interested in being Speaker of the House because Jim Jordan and some of his Republican friends were just really tough to deal with. He's a fighter. He's a wrestler. Of course he's tough to deal with. He doesn't lose. Well, he beat John Boehner. He essentially beat Paul Ryan, another Speaker of the House, too. Literally got him just just to submit. He got him to submit. He slayed two speakers of the Republican speakers of the House. This guy, if you do not respect Jim Jordan, I got news for you. He will pin you on the mat or he will pin you on the floor of the House of Representatives. John Boehner learned that the hard way. So did Paul Ryan. Now, as a liberal Democrat, I ask my party not to necessarily agree with Jim Jordan. 
but I ask them to respect him. Even though it doesn't matter what Donald Trump does, Jim is going to be there to protect and to fight for Trump. And Donald Trump is actually very, very lucky that he has a fighter, a true warrior like Jim Jordan in his corner that will literally defend him at all costs. And so I think sometimes in politics, sometimes in life, lots of times actually in both, it is okay to respect someone that you completely disagree with. And there's a lot I disagree with Jim Jordan on. And let me let me, let me get this out of the way too. I know people are going to say to me, oh, you didn't even talk. He was an assistant coach at Ohio State while the sexual abuse stuff was going on in their wrestling program. And many on the left want to cancel Jim Jordan about what he may or may not have known. Let me just say, let's fucking move on. Let's move on. So Jim Jordan might have heard a whisper campaign about some sexual abuse going on. And he wasn't willing to be a whistleblower. Or he never heard about it. Who cares? Jim Jordan didn't bang any any wrestlers. He didn't abuse anybody. Anybody in the athletic program. Let it go. Do you re- do we really want to cancel Jim Jordan? Basically because we disagree with him over this Ohio State thing. No, 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 no. Let's put it in the past. Let's put it in the past and move on and deal with the man. Because if you want to bring up his past or you want to bring up anybody's past, there's trouble in that, right? What I think we should do is respect Jim Jordan. Before we engage in a fight with him, we better understand how he prepares, which is second to none. We better understand that Jim Jordan is willing to do whatever it takes to win. Well, if you're going to engage in battle with him, you better be able to do the same thing. You better be prepared to walk down that alley just like he is. Jim said uh, he likes the way Donald Trump fights. And I just said that Trump's really lucky he has a warrior like Jordan. Jordan likes the way Donald Trump fights. Well, how does Donald Trump fight? We saw it with John McCain, a decorated prisoner of war in the Republican Party, a war hero. Trump said, My heroes don't get captured. He was running against Ted Cruz. He wanted Ted one-on-one, and he got him. Well, he made comments about Ted's wife's appearance, and he made comments regarding Ted Cruz's father being involved in the assassination of John F. Kennedy. So Jim Jordan likes the way Donald Trump fights. I just laid out kind of how Donald Trump fights. It's 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 not typical. Hey, candidates in a political race, they go after each other hardcore. They lie about each other's record. You're going to cut Social Security, yada, yada, yada. You're bad at the economy. They don't get personal like that. So when Jim Jordan says he likes the way Donald Trump fights, I think here's what he's saying. Donald Trump fights to the death. There are no rules. Jim Jordan fights to the death, too. There are no rules. I'm a big fan of Jim Jordan on the mat. Holy moly, what an American hero. I'm not a fan of his politics. But I'd like to shake his hand. I'd like to sit down with him and talk with him. I'd like him to give my son a wrestling a piece of wrestling advice, right? I think that would be interesting. I can respect Jim Jordan and disagree with him. And I think it's important to point out whether it's a Democrat or it's a Republican, it's okay. I'm not, again, I'm not asking you to walk down the, walk into the polling place and vote for Jim Jordan or 
vote to cancel Jim Jordan. What I'm asking you to do is respect the man. He's willing to fight to the death. So it's important in American politics where we just change the tone a little bit. Let me give you an exa- a quick example. Nancy Pelosi, just the name will make the hair on right-wing Republicans on their back stand up. It'll stand up. Well, Nancy retires and Newt Gingrich comes out and calls her the most powerful speaker maybe in the history of the country. John Boehner, former speaker, two former Republican speakers, Gingrich, Boehner, talked about giving her a big fat kiss. How much shit he took amongst Republicans for respecting Nancy Pelosi. Now, Nancy's optics are bad, just like I think some of Jim Jordan's facts are bad. But you can respect Nancy Pelosi. It's okay. Even I, I know when I say optics are bad, she rips up the you know Trump's speech during the State of the Union. I'm shaking my head like. You know, half the country just despises this woman, and that's not helping. So her optics are bad. She's not an evil woman, and we believe she is. Jim Jordan is not evil. Many on the left believe he is. Respect. There are certainly things to respect about Jim Jordan. There's things you can disagree with him on. He's... The current head of the, he chairs the House Judiciary Committee, right? I'll give you, he chairs the House Judiciary Committee. During January 6th, he got subpoenaed. He had information. Did he comply with the subpoena? Nope. He ignored it. Well, now he's handing out subpoenas. Does anyone think that he should have those subpoenas complied with? Would you comply with a subpoena? When let's let here put give here here's an example. You're an attorney. You subpoena somebody. They ignore it. A few months later, they're they're in a different position of power, and they subpoena you because they think you have some information. Would you comply with it or ignore it? It's really simple. You would ignore it. That's what Jim Jordan did, and now people are ignoring his subpoena. So, a little respect might lead to the possibility of working together. Now, I know what my good friend John Boehner and Paul Ryan would say. Me and me and the, the two speakers, we're going to go sit down and we're going to have a, a glass of scotch, two or three cubes of ice to unlock the flavor. And Boehner is going to just laugh at me as he sips on his scotch and say, Nick, I heard your podcast. I heard your podcast. If you think you can work with Jim Jordan, how naive are you? Boehner called him a legislative terrorist. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. But Boehner couldn't work with him. He quit. I understand working with someone like Jim Jordan whether you're a Republican or a liberal Democrat, is going to be incredibly tough. But make that road a little bit easier by, from the outset, showing a little bit of respect. And I'm telling you what, if you're 151, excuse me, 152, two speakers he vanquished, 152 and one as a fighter, that should garner some serious respect. At least we can start from there, okay? All right, enough about my buddy Jim Jordan. Jim, stand up, dude. What a, an American badass. Now you're going to have to wrestle the truth a little bit. But I wouldn't want to fight you. I would not want to fight you. Holy moly. All right. The NHL playoffs. I'm here in Seattle, Washington, and this is the second year of the Seattle Kraken. As I 
as, as I give this podcast to you right now, it's 3-2 Kraken against the defending champion Colorado Avalanche. I just have to tell you, I think me and the rest of the city, the rest of the state of Washington is absolutely blown away at the National Hockey League playoffs. Now, let, let, let me run it back here quickly. I collected some hockey cards in the early 90s, late 80s, because they were worth money, and I was collecting cards with my dad. So I, I got to learn a little bit about the players. That was kind of our internet back then was cards. You could look at their the back of their card and figure out who they were, their statistics, if they were good, not. Okay. Then fast forward several years, late 90s. I'm a Denver Bronco fan. Go Broncos, right? I didn't have a hockey team and I didn't understand hockey, but I started to watch. I started to be fan. That's not even a word, whatever. I started to become a fan of the Colorado Avalanche. Peter Forsberg, Joe Sackick, Milan Hayduk, Patrick Waugh, right? And this was right in the heyday when they were playing. They, they'd won a Stanley Cup. They'd lost a Stanley Cup. Um, they were battling the Detroit Red Wings. And I was a freshman in college. I was like a senior in high school, I mean, a sophomore in college. It was right around that, that time. And the Detroit Red Wings and the Colorado, Colorado Avalanche literally went to war. And I had no clue what I was watching other than I was watching something special something unique playoff hockey. I thought to myself, Holy moly. It was so rough and tough and it kind of carried over. I wouldn't watch the NHL during the season, but once it got down to like the final four long before the Seattle Kraken were ever a thing, I would kind of get into certain hockey matches, especially game sevens because of the way they played. But I did not fully grasp the way they play. You cannot fully grasp an NHL hockey playoff game until you have invested yourself. I think until you've had a team, until you have a dog in the fight. Well, we have a dog in the fight in Seattle Kraken. We actually won in overtime the other night. I'd never watched a hockey game so close. I've never watched... Let's see here. It's three, two, five hockey games so far. And this probably goes for me and every crap. Well, not, I mean, we have some hockey fans in the state, obviously, with the WHL and, and so forth. But most hockey fans are probably watching the Seattle Kraken Colorado Avalanche series as close as they've ever watched any hockey game ever. We're learning what offsides is and, and calling it out. We know what icing is and why they're they're throwing the puck against the boards. We're really starting to learn the game. But when I watch the NHL playoffs, I am watching one team go to war. And and and, and I know people over overuse that term. But outside of boxing and MMA, this is the closest to war you will get. This this to me makes the National Football League look uh look like a tickling contest. Guys are punching each other in the face. They're constantly fighting. They're crushing each other up against the boards. They're getting stitches in their face and returning to the ice. This is not for the faint of heart. For 82 games a season, these guys beat the living shit out of each other. And then when it comes playoff time, guess what they do? They turn it up three notches and beat the shit out of each other 3x. It's unbelievable how tough they are, how skilled they are. I watch the NBA NBA playoffs. I watch Major League Baseball. I watch football. Any sort of little altercation, guys are getting suspended. Watch soccer. Watch the World Cup. And I love the World Cup. I'm not a soccer guy. But what do soccer players do? A butterfly lands on their shoulder and they're looking for the referee to throw a card up. They're literally holding themselves like they just got shot. In hockey, if you do that, you can't play. You can't play. This is a sport for men. And I'm so grateful 
that the Seattle Kraken are here in Seattle. I'm grateful the NHL chose us. I think we're reaping uh, the reward. The, the NHL is seeing what the NBA should see. Seattle is a straight-up hardcore sports town. And by the way, I might love the Denver Broncos and might have adopted the Avalanche in the late 90s. Guess what? Fuck the Avalanche. I'm a Seattle guy. Just happen to be a Denver Bronco. I can't change my past. But if I could do it all over again, I'd be a Seattle Seahawk. But I can't do it all over again. I got to be born free with the Kraken. Got to choose between the Avalanche and the Seattle Kraken. No choice. I'm a Seattle guy. I just can't turn back the clock on the Seahawks. I just can't do it. NHL playoff hockey. It is absolutely must-see TV. Must-see TV. So, thank you, thank you, NHL. The, the, the NHL, Seattle Kraken, here to stay. My goodness. Up 3-2. Next time I talk, maybe we'll be moving on to the second round. Probably not. Everything I root for fucking loses. So, they'll probably be out. Lose two in a row. All right. Let's talk about the next next topic. I do not want to get too political with this, but I want to talk about transgender people. I want to talk about transgender sports. I want to talk about a little bit about transgender care. And one of the reasons why I want to talk about this, obviously it's in the news. Um, It's been in my, it's been in the news in my family. I've got a son who could give a shit less. I've got a son who is adamantly against transgender people competing in sports. Right? They came from me, right? They have their own opinions. Great. And we've had multiple conversations over the last few weeks about transgender care and transgender sports. And one of the things that became apparent to me, well, I knew this, but Listening to my kids, my wife, listening to me, listening to other people in the political forum talk about it, I realize how little most people know. How strong opinions are, one way or the other, but when it comes down to it, how how little we know. So, let's tackle... Transgender sports. Does anybody want Bruce Jenner competing with their daughter in a fucking swimming pool? No. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. So we have these transgender sports bans in red states. Not even, not very many transgender athletes, but we're banning transgender kids from competing in high school and and college sports. Although if you look at the Olympics and collegiate, the NCAA, they've got standards for competition. Whereas high school sports, it does not. Um, There's no, there's no discrimination in high school sports. And so I wrestle with this. I listened to my middle son, Spencer talk about, It's just not fair. There's no way a man should be competing with a woman. And I agree. My wife says the same thing. I agree. I I, I tried to, you know, do as much reading as I could about Leah Catherine Thomas, the, the collegiate male swimmer who changed genders and then competed as a woman. She was a collegiate swimmer as a male. And she was good. Excuse me. He was good. I I don't even know how to talk about it. Is that okay? It's okay. It's okay. She was a very good collegiate swimmer as a male. But she was nowhere near a national champion. Well, as a female, she became a national champion. And I'm, I'm reading that the NCAA has a rule for competition where... In order to compete, you have to be on these hormone drugs for at least a year. And from 
from what it sounds like, these hormone drugs are like Superman too. When, when, when Clark Kent walks into, into the, into the chamber and he's stripped of all his powers, they reduce your testosterone, your muscle. It literally changes who you are. And so the NCAA has this rule where you have to be on this drug. If you're going to compete as a female for at least a year. Well, so do we need the federal government or state governments to come in at the Olympic level or the collegiate level and tell those leagues what to do, what's fair in terms of competition? Or can these leagues police themselves? I don't know. That's a good question, right? Do you want more government involvement when it comes to transgender sports or less? Now, here's a good rule of thumb. And this is this is where I struggle on the, the, the transgender ban. And, and I'm more on the conservative side. I like to think about the world in 50-year increments. Let's say we do nothing with regards to transgender sports. We do nothing. And instead of 30 collegiate athletes in its entire, there's approximately 30 collegiate athletes, transgender athletes, I read, in collegiate sports, and that goes from community college, NAIA, Division II, Division I. It's not a huge problem. It's a very minute problem. But if we think about the world, if we think about the United States of America in 50-year increments, and we do nothing, in 50 years, do we have a wrestling team that's competing you know, against females that's got five transgender males that have converted to being female on it. Do we ruin women's sports if we think about it in 50-year increments and we do nothing? It's only going to increase, right? Leah Catherine Thomas, I think she's the exception. She's not the rule right now. What about in 10 years? What about in 15 years? What about in 25 years? Transgender People are not going anywhere. And so if that's the case, more and more and more are going to become involved in sports. And again, nobody wants their daughter competing against Bruce Jenner in the swimming pool or on any other athletic platform, athletic field. Now, do I want to ban kids from playing sports? Hell no. I don't. I don't. I want to be as compassionate as I can. When you ban something, is it a precursor to bullying? And boy, I don't want to see bullying. And I can imagine if I was a transgender person or a parent of a transgender person, I would be scared to death for my child. And so some of the rhetoric on the right, CPAC, eradicate, this was said at CPAC. The conserv, this is a conservative conference that happens every year. Everybody gets together at this conference. And I don't have the dude's name. I don't, I should have the dude's name. Somebody called, speaking in front of their conference to eradicate transgenderism. And I know there's a big debate between transgender and transgenderism, whatever. Call to eradicate transgenderism. From my readings, there's like 1.6 million people that identify as transgender in the country. You're not eradicating jack shit. Again, apply that 50-year increment. The same thing I applied to sports which makes me scared for female sports. If I think about the United States in 50 year increments, if there's one point, let's, let's apply the same thing to transgender people in general. If there's 1.6 million transgender people now in 50 years, how many is there going to be? My point is you aren't eradicating shit and eradicating is an awful choice of words. Okay. I don't want people bullied. If you're for a ban on transgender people competing in sports, could you take 
a more compassionate approach. Is that possible? I think so. I think so. If you're a Christian conservative, a God-fearing person, don't hate what you don't understand. That goes for me. I'm a liberal Democrat. I don't understand it either. I don't hate it. I think it's weird. I'm confused, but I want to learn more. 50-year increments, we aren't eradicating transgender folks. We're just not doing it. Who, if I'm for freedom, who am I to say that parents, a kid, and their doctor can't make up their mind on some sort of gender-affirming care? Who am I? Isn't it freedom? What, what, one of the reasons why I probably don't know as much about it as I should is because I don't care in some respect. And I don't, don't go crazy on me because I said I don't care. It does not affect me. It does not affect me. It does not affect my daily life. And so my level, my, my degree of how much I care, it's not huge. Now, maybe that's going to change. I need to learn more. Conservatives need to learn more. Democrats need to learn more. Do people grow out of this? I saw Ben Shapiro say 80% of young transgender kids grow out of this. Well, if that's the case, if that's really a true number, then we need to take a look at that. I read an article about how Parents felt bullied by medical doctors on their options. It was they were they were pushed to give their kids the drug, some hormone changing drugs. Um, kids went suicidal. It was awful. I don't have TikTok. I don't watch TikTok. I hear my son, my wife talk, tell me about different TikToks where kids seem to be forced into it, into in, into affirming care. And, and I think back to having four kids. My wife had three of them natural. One of them, she got the Pitocin. She got induced. But kid number three and number four, we had a midwife or a doula. Okay. We had an advocate. And we met with them many, many times. Because kid number one and kid number two, my wife was bullied. She was straight up bullied by the medical profession. They wanted to induce labor, start Pitocin. And then when that, when, when her labor stalled because she wasn't in labor, they wanted to cut the fucking thing out of her. Weird, right? No wonder why we have so many C-sections. So with kid number three and number four, we got an advocate on our side. Here's what we wanted. Here's what we don't understand. Here's what we want to do. And the midwife, the doula was our advocate. It was great. And I'm wondering with so many young, confused kids, would it be good to have, you know, the equivalent of a doula or a midwife to work with these children and the parents and the medical profession that can be a bully at times to help them come to the best conclusion for them. I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it already exists. And again, I'm stupid. I'm going to continue to try to educate myself on this because I'm far from it. But I would love to sit down with transgender people, parents of transgender kids, kids that are confused, kind of like a town hall. I would love to learn more. I can't formulate a hard opinion on how I feel about this until I know more. But I do know one thing. I don't want to bully anyone. And I know transgender people are looked at as freaks in our society. If... Somebody walks into a restaurant 
and they're a transgender person, they are going to get the stink eye. People are going to look the other way, be disgusted, be creeped out. That's just the reality. And I don't want to bully anybody. I don't want to ban anybody. I don't want Bruce Jenner swimming against my daughter. So I've got a lot of learning to do on transgender and just in general. Think about the world in 50-year increments. What would what would sports look like in 50 years if we leave transgender athletes unchecked? Same token, anybody who thinks they're going to eradicate transgenderism when there's 1.6 million transgender identifying people in the country, 50-year increments, you aren't eradicating jack shit. We've got to learn more about what we don't understand. We've got to be compassionate. And we've got to be fair. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. And me and my own family can't agree. Okay? I'm not asking for Republicans and Democrats to agree. What I am asking for is better understanding. And if you are for some sort of ban, why don't you preface it by saying, I don't want anyone bullied. Don't come out and attack these people. They're already under attack enough. All right. I've said enough. I've said enough. Fox News. Oh, my goodness. Fox News. Boy, we have, uh, over the course of the last several months, watched Fox News slowly be undressed. And I'm... I'm not a big Fox News guy. I watch Fox News, okay? I'm not a big Fox News guy. I used to always, I always laugh. They're fair and balanced, right? They're fair and balanced, and then Sean Hannity comes on. Fair and balanced, are you kidding me? Fox News has always told us that their tits are fair and natural. Well, they just settled for $787 million dollars three quarters of a billion dollars with Dominion, the voting machine company. Their tits aren't fair and natural. During this settlement, we got to see behind the scene texts. We got to see what exactly Fox News really thought of the election. And if there was voter fraud, what a lot of their on-air personalities were talking about behind the scenes. Nobody at Fox believed there was any election fraud. Yet they kept pushing it. And so we all we, we were led to believe, or at least if you were a hardcore Fox News listener, subscriber, that their tits were fair and natural. Well, this past week, their blouse got taken off. And guess what? They've got fake tits. Fox has fake tits. Obviously, I'm talking about fake news. Fox was bullshitting their listeners on the election fraud of 2020. They let it go. They were lying to you. The same people that are screaming fake news, fake news, fake news. Well, I got news for you. If you're if Fox is your sole source of news, they were giving you exactly what you chant against. They were giving you fake news. Now, <laughs> 787 million to continue Trump's bullshit lie of election fraud. Do you think Trump owes him any money? They lied for him. Why did Fox News lie? Were they afraid of what their listeners would think if they were told the truth? I mean, what conclusion? Why would they lie? And by the way, there's a, another defamation suit with Smartmatic for another like two and a half billion. Are they going to settle on this one too? They literally had to take their clothes off in front of the American people. 
It's been an absolute fiasco. And we just saw Tucker Carlson. Tucker was fired. Tucker was one of these guys perpetrating the lie, the big lie. Behind the scenes, we know he did not believe it. But he continued to peddle it anyways. Why would Tucker Carlson do that? Well, let me tell you why. Tucker Carlson is a political salesman. He's been employed by CNN. Does anybody ever remember him when he was employed by MSNBC? Who Tucker Carlson was? Tucker Carlson was like the middle of the road conservative on a super liberal network in MSNBC. And as a political salesman, trying to get ratings, trying to hit your number, what happens when you're the middle of the road conservative on a liberal network? Guess what? The conservatives fucking hate you and the liberals hate you which translates into awful ratings. Tucker went to Fox, and the more outlandish, the more right he became, the better his ratings got. And so I always thought to myself that Tucker's nothing more than a salesman. I don't really know what Tucker Carlson believes. All I know is Tucker Carlson needs to hit a number every week or every month. He needs ratings, just like a salesman in any industry in this country has a number they're supposed to hit. Well, are you going to do the things that you need to do to hit your sales number or not? That's what Tucker Carlson's done. And now he's out. Now he's out. Sounds like he was a real son of a bitch to, to work with. But Fox News, I hope you learn from this. Because there's going to be another election. And if Trump loses, let's just say Trump loses, he's going to claim voter fraud again with no evidence. Are you going to go down the same rabbit hole? Or are you going to tell the people the truth? The truth is important. Here's a question I ask myself all the time. How do I know what I know? How do you know what you know? Well, if Fox News is your sole source of information, you don't know that much. Hell, if MSNBC is your sole source of information, you don't know that much. Diversify. Be careful. Verify. Check facts. Can you find it from multiple outlets? Whatever the case may be. Clearly, you cannot just watch Fox and walk around and think you know what the fuck you're talking about. If they were right, they wouldn't have settled. And they're going to settle again with Smartmatic. They're going to settle because they lied to you. We took off their blouse and Fox News. They've been claiming they had natural boobs for years and years and years. And we found out they were as fake as fake could be. Yikes. How do you know what you know? Ask yourself that question. How do you know what you know? All right. We got the NFL draft today. Today's literally the NFL draft. I know by the time you listen, it'll be over. And I didn't spend any time talking about it last week because there are like 1,500 ex-NFL players who are all in all of these sports shows and talking about the draft. All of these, there's there used to be one Mel Kuyper. Now there's like 500 Mel Kuypers, right? Telling you who's a stud, who's not a stud. I have no idea. I told, I told you that a few episodes back. I have no idea, which is one of the reasons why I don't talk about it that much. My Denver Broncos pick in the third round. So I'll get to watch the Seattle Seahawks with the fifth overall selection. The Seattle Seahawks select. They have the Denver Bronco pick because of the Russell Wilson trade. What I do know about the NFL draft is the day after the draft, every single team, you're going to pick up the paper and go, wow, our first round pick that we got at number 26 he was considered a top five pick like three months ago. Did you see? My dad's going to call me. Hey, Nikki, Nikki, 
Seahawks drafted that cornerback in the fourth round. He was supposed to be a first rounder. You're going to read all these glowing things about all of these players. And most of it's wrong. Most of it's wrong. There are going to be so many first round busts. And there's going to be first round picks that are going to become a potential Hall of Famer or a pro bowler. There's going to be guys taken in the fourth and fifth round that are three times the football player taken in the first round. It is in a billion-dollar industry where we have all of these professionals trying to get it right. This is an inexact science. Holy moly, this is tough. So I just sit back and watch. I'm going to read what Denver experts say about our picks and how great they are. And then guess what? Then they're going to get on the field and you're going to realize that 40% of them fucking suck. It's tough. The hey, the only player that I care about, I'm rooting for, Georgia quarterback Stetson Bennett. I know the University of Georgia has a five-star at every single position, and they let Cam Newton get away years, years ago, and they let Deshaun Watson, Georgia products, get away. They had Matt Stafford, the five-star. They had another five-star named Jacob Eason from Lake Stevens, Washington. They want that shiny five-star quarterback to go with all of their other shiny five-star position players. Well, I got news for you. Kirby Smart knows this. No matter who you get to play quarterback for the Georgia Bulldogs, he will not be as good of a baller as Stetson Bennett was. All the guy did was make plays. He was efficient. He won two straight national titles. The dude is a straight-up gamer. So I don't care who Georgia brings in. He's not going to be better than Stetson Bennett. It's almost impossible. Look at his numbers to be better than Stetson Bennett. So I'm crossing my fingers. I'm rooting for a guy like Stetson Bennett to get drafted. So there's my take on the draft. We had a big boxing event this last weekend. Um, Ryan Garcia, the YouTube guy, he's a boxer too. I shouldn't just call me YouTube guy. Versus Gervonta Tank Davis. Shitty fight. Really good event. Tank beat the tank was patient and he beat the shit out of a guy who was not a full-time fighter. If you're going to beat tank, if you're going to beat tank Davis, you better be a full-time fighter, but a couple takeaways. One, the African-American community loves tank Davis. I mean, loves him. I had a big party at my house and the African-Americans in attendance they love his ass all over the country. This dude is a, is a African-American draw, and I think it's awesome. Okay? This guy just really captivates black people. And the reason why I'm, I'm kind of bringing this up is, um, as a boxing fan, Mexicans are supposed to be Hispanics. They're the ones who carry pay-per-views. Oscar De La Hoya, Canelo Alvarez. If you want to do a million pay-per-view buys – you got to have a Mexican fighter on Cinco de Mayo. Well, guess what? Tank and Ryan Garcia did 1.2 million pay-per-view buys. That's a lot. 80 bucks a pop, 85 bucks a pop, 75 bucks a pop. They did 1.2 million pay-per-view buys. And I ask you, I know everyone tells me boxing's dead. Could the NBA Finals get 1.2 million people to buy it? Could Major League Baseball... Uh, could Major League Baseball get 1.2 million people to buy a playoff game or to buy a World Series game? I don't think they could. When boxing is right, it has a wonderful fan base, a cult-like following that can only grow. That can really can only grow. So 1.2 million buys, stand up, Ryan Garcia, Gervonta Davis. Love it. Last thing I'm going to talk about. I've got four kids. I know you're sick of hearing it. I try to take, I, I, every once in a while, I'll pull one kid out of school and I'll give him a special day. Well, my youngest son, Brady, I pulled him out of school 
And guess what we went and watched? We went and watched Cocaine Bear, my and my 12-year-old. And I know what you're saying. Oh, my God, you let your 12-year-old watch Cocaine Bear? It's very gory. And, hell, there's a lot of cocaine. And I thought I'd bring up it for two reasons. One, if you've got kids, every once in a while, surprise them. I'm telling you, give them a special day. They won't forget it. Take them out to lunch. Go see a movie. Go watch a show that they really like. Right? Go have fun. The other reason why I bring it up is because I expose my kids. And I am not a good parent, a bad parent. Uh, I don't know what I am. But one thing I do as a parent is I try to expose my kids. And so if if cocaine bear is wrong, then I'm wrong. But it gives me a chance to talk to my 12-year-old about drugs. Hell, three of my four kids have watched Breaking Bad. Do you guys want to do methamphetamine? Look what it does to you. It gives me an opportunity to talk with my kids. If there's a movie with sexual, you know, you know, scenes in it, Game of Thrones, it gives me a chance to talk to my kids. So I expose them. So I highly recommend Cocaine Bear. Gory, funny, lots of coke, and wild bears. It was it was a hoot. It's not going to win an Academy Award, but it's the Sharknado of uh, of of bear movies. So go pull your kid out of school. Go give him a special day. Go watch something fun. Maybe Cocaine Bear, right? All right, folks. That's Nick the American. I love you so much. Hey, Jim Jordan, baby. I respect you. I respect you. I don't want any party on the mat. See you on the house floor. It's going to be tough, too. Respect somebody who thinks differently from you. Find a way to respect them. I'll talk to you again next week. Love you. Goodbye. Goodbye.